Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode of Swole Patrol is brought to you by Molecule, the only air purifier that actually destroys pollutants. Offer is $75 off your first order. You heard me correctly. Visit Molecule, that's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com, and at checkout, enter the promo code SWOLE, S-W-O-L-E. Dr. Drew and I know you're going to love it. It's the Swole Patrol. It's the Swole Patrol, the best health and fitness podcast that ever lived today. We're talking to an Olympian, someone who made our country so super proud. She's the oldest swimmer to ever compete in the Olympics. And if she was 75 years old, she could still kick my ass because I am so fat and dumb. Yeah, well done. Yeah. Woo! Oh my god! <laughs> Where'd that right off the from? top of my head, that's where it came uh, it from. Came Dr. You Drew. channeled it. Weird. Uh, you may have put together if you're a fan of sports in any way. Uh, if you're a fan of any high level athletics, you may have uh, been able to piece together that our guest today is Dara Torres, and it is truly an honor to talk to you. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. That was quite an intro. I don't think yeah. I've ever... Usually I hear the Olympic theme, so I'm kind of digging that one. That I don't know who sang that, but I was pretty cool. That was me, Mike, and uh, I... I tried oh, to, Mike! My I do. son wrote it, and then Mike sings to it every show yeah. differently. Yeah. He channels... Oh, okay. He channels, he channels <laughs> pretty funny. Some, he channels some... Well, sometimes it's, it's a little disturbing. Yeah, I mean, This time it was nice. I gotta be honest, uh, you are a guest that... There's some guests that encourage me to be dirty and filthy, and there's something about you, Miss Torres, that I felt like I I, I owed you the respect yeah. to not be gross, not be your usual self. Yeah, that's good. Well, I actually I grew up with four older brothers, so I've seen plenty of gross before, uh, and I'm actually fine with it. So okay. I'm very laid back. Don't, good to know. <laughs> Don't But it was you. nice. That was a nice, nice song. I, I appreciate that. Think about what happened when you encouraged your brothers. Here it comes. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, well. The funny thing about you well, is Well, thanks that, for having me on, you guys. No, I'm psyched about this. Believe me, believe me. It is truly our pleasure. Um, it, the funny thing about you, and, and as I was just like researching you and thinking about your life, you put in so much effort, continuous, prolonged, painstaking effort for something that lasts such a small amount of time. How, how, does you, how do you mentally deal with you know, the years, sometimes, you know, four years of preparation for something that can last mere minutes. You know, I don't think any um, Olympic athlete that is in a sport that can go by very quickly thinks about, 
why am I doing this? Just, I mean, my, my best race is literally 24 seconds long. Oh my God. And I think I don't really, I don't think of it that way. I think of it more um, that I have this goal and I've always been a goal setter. I mean, I was looking through, someone sent me some old magazines the other day, my old swim coach from high school, which I'm not even going to tell how many years ago that was, but that was a long time ago. And one of them was Sports Illustrated. I looked in it and I, and I saw when I was 16, I used to put like, uh, poster boards on my wall with a goal time of what I wanted to swim if I made the Olympic team and what place I wanted to get. And so I, so I've always been a goal setter my whole entire life. I thought I was more when I was older, but I, when I look back, I realized I did that when I was younger too. And I think when you set goals, um, no matter what the goal is, and for me, it wasn't about like, oh, I'm always swimming a short race. It's like, I want this gold medal. And you, when you have that in your mind and you're very, and if you're a very determined person, which probably 99% of Olympic athletes are, um, you don't think about all the hard training. You just think about reaching that goal. And Mike, Mike, you're familiar with the, on the weightlifting side. I mean, you guys walk over to a bar and lift it and it's over. And right. you, don't, you don't think about but that. That, is, that is the training in and of itself. You know I, what I'm I, saying? I like but like you, a basketball player, you, you, you prepare for a season. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a football player the same I way. Get it, I get it. And even, even an Olympic athlete that was a hockey player, you still have a two hour match. Um, to, I, I'm just imagining four years of effort to go into 24 seconds. Yeah. It's got to be such a mind F, you know? Yeah. And I guess but, divers at least do different dives and different right. levels. It's a prolonged yeah. thing, you know what I'm saying? People who race, it's got to be such yeah. same a with, difficult... Same with track and field, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anything you race yeah. at. Um, and, it's, and it's not just four years, if you think about it. You're actually doing it your whole entire life. Right. It's just a matter of... Um, you know, it's for the Olympics happen every four years. But my first Olympics, you know, I was 17 years old and I started, you know, on a team when I was seven or eight. So it's, it's a long time. Was it hard for you being 17 years old and an Olympian? Because I, I, I felt like I had a horrible time in high school and it was miserable because I felt awkward and I was always conscious about what other kids thought of me. And I'm pretty sure that most everyone else who's a breathing human has the same experience. When you're special, I mean, because you were special and you were unique, did it make it hard for you? Um, I definitely, I, I went to an all-girls private school in L.A. called, it's now called Harvard Westlake, but it was called oh, yeah. Westlake back then. Oh, yes. And um, I kind of stood out like a sore thumb only because I was this jock and, um, you know, the girls were very girly and feminine. And on the weekends, I'd be at swim meets and they'd go like school dances and stuff. And so I kind of felt a little awkward. And then, you know, I, I broke my first world record when I was 15. So Jesus. I think I was like just going into ninth grade oh and the God. headmaster like posted it on like the main stairs going into the school. And I was so embarrassed. And then after that, like people started to get a little more sort of into it um, about like what was going on. But still, I, I, I definitely was a little bit different compared to a lot of the girls there. Uh, and then when I went, just finished my junior in high school, I came back from my senior year and I came back to the school to get all my book supplies and everything like a few days before school started. And the headmaster had said to me, and I just won that gold medal and said, hey, can you bring your medal? And I said, yeah, I'll bring it, but I really don't want to make a big deal about it. I just, you know, I'll bring it into your office. I'll show you. And then that'll be it. He's like, okay, yeah, sure. No problem. And so I came in and I first thing I did was bring it to him. I said, look, hold on to it for the day because I obviously don't want to want to lose this. And I'll come back at the end of the day to pick it up. And sure enough, like an hour later, he calls an assembly and then he uh, starts like playing the Olympic theme. And uh, I'm like, oh, uh, I like to kind of go under the radar, you know, uh, and I was like, oh my God. Oh, and no. he made me come up and like put it around my neck in front of the whole school. 
then I really felt crazy because everyone was like whispering as I walked by and I just couldn't be like myself. And I, I felt like I did a really good job of sort of hiding it all those high school years until, you know, my senior year and the headmaster did that to me. Oh my <laughs> I, God. Was it still an all girls school then? Yeah, it was. It didn't change until a few years after I graduated. So just, you know, we, I, Mike and I are very, we, I went to Polytechnic in Pasadena. Mike went to Sam Rio High. I went to college with a bunch ah. of, Har- I went to Harvard, co- college with a bunch of Harvard guys. And uh, very familiar, uh, yeah, very good old Harvard Westlake. Um, <laughs> well, how, why is it that adults don't remember how embarrassing I, I know? Is? Did you like ever? How, well, that's what I wonder. Did you ever speak to him after the fact as an adult later, or is it just something that went by? Oh, no, I spoke to him as a 17 year old later. I was like, What the hell? Like, <laughs> I, you know, I said, and, and he's like, Well, if I had told you I was going to do this, you wouldn't want to do it. I'm like, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You fucking prick. Like, why would you do it? And it was like, and it was never the same. Like, people just looked at me differently. And like I said, except for him uh, posting that, like, after I broke a world record, like, after him posting that, it, it kind of faded. And then I just kind of went about my way. And yeah, people, like, knew I wasn't always around the weekends, but I never, like, you know, advertise that I was, you know, training for Olympics or anything. I just kind of did my own thing. And it just, it kind of, I want to say, I want to say ruined my senior year, but I, I definitely like, I didn't know who were my friends and who just liked me because, you know, I won, won a gold medal. And, and not only that, summer, it's, so. it's, and then it, it triggers envy and discomfort and embarrassment on their part. Yeah. It's just all over the place. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. This guy st- <laughs> how long did he stay headmaster of that school? You what? Did he stay headmaster of that school for a long time? I'm not sure that's the right job for Actually, him. he did. You know, I mean, I was, I was, I, I'm not a mean person or anything, so I didn't like, I just kind of was like, you know, giving him grief about it afterwards. Yeah. And, and then I just, I'm also, I don't hold grudges. I don't, like, I let things go, so I just kind of let it go. But I kind of had the consequences of it, you know, for the rest of the year, but I never said anything after that. Speaking of grudges, were there people that you were gunning for in your in your Olympic career that, that you did have grudges against or maintained some sort of... <laughs> you know, acrimony with what, anything like that? Yeah. You know, <laughs> there was one girl who, uh, like, I'm always, a, I'm a very friendly person. And like when I'm in the water, I want to kick everyone's ass and they're all my enemies. But the minute I get out, I'm very good about leaving it in the pool. And that's the way I've always been. And I learned, you know, from older swimmers, um, there was a girl who, when I broke my first world record, she was like the, you know, sprinter of the U.S. and I happened to beat her and she was like seven years older than me and stuff. And so it was kind of a big deal, but I really looked up to her because her name was Jill Sterkel. And I'll never forget um, at the Olympic Games, for example, my first Olympics, she was an alternate on a relay and I was, you know, not an alternate and I was going to swim in the prelims and then swim in the finals. And uh, I swam horrible in the morning, like horrible in the prelims. And they had never, they if you get in the top four at Olympic trials, you're automatically going to swim in the finals at night, no matter what, the two alternates will swim in the morning too. And so when I swam so poorly, they were talking about taking me off and taking one of the alternates and putting them on uh, in the finals. And she was one of them. And she basically took me under her wing. And she, I think she realized that I was nervous because of the whole atmosphere of being in the Olympic games. And I just needed a distraction. So she had me like do puzzles during the day. She had me watching soap operas, which I never watched before in my life and wow. got addicted immediately to like all my children and one like to live in all those. And <laughs> they're you know, addicted. She really kind of took me under her wings and the, and the coaches were like, okay, you know, we'll just, we'll have Dara do it. You know, she did earn this and stuff. And I just couldn't believe that this person who like was supposed to take my spot was like helping me try to get through, 
the nerves of being in any Olympic Games at you know as a teenager and stuff. And then another thing that I'm going to bet somebody did that. I'm going to bet somebody did that for her. Yeah, I don't know. And and then and then another thing that happened is like a year or two later, I was at a at a meet and I was in the heat before her in the same lane in the prelims. And there were a couple false starts and the pool was super cold and I was shivering. And she basically took her towel off of her and put it around me until I got up and and swam my event. And so you know, I I admired that a lot. And I'm kind of like that anyway. But it just made me show that you know you leave your your competing in the water and. Um, you know, outside of the wall, you're just friends with everyone. But to answer your question, uh, there was a girl um, that I trained with in 2000 at Stanford. And the coach had let me sit on the team because at, up until that point, um, I, did have, I hadn't been to an Olympics in, in, uh, in an individual event. All the uh, Olympics up to that point, the three Olympics I'd been to in 84, 88, 92 were all in relays. And so um, I wanted to train in 2000, and, and he let me come out and train at Stanford. And this girl wasn't intimidated by me because she's always, she had beaten me up to that point and, you know, knew I wasn't, like, very good at individual events. And so she's like, yeah, come swim and stuff. And after about four months, I was beating her in workouts, beating her in meets, and she had me kicked off the team. Ooh. And so I had to yeah, I had to swim um, because because these girls either went to Stanford or at, were at Stanford training, and I wasn't. I was like sort of an outsider. I went to University of Florida, and she had me kick off the team. And so after that happened, I was like, oh, my God, where am I going to go? Like, I'm in the middle of training, and I still have six months of training until trials. And so uh, the coach came up to me and said, you know what? Um, you know, this girl may have a say in what's going on in the team, but there's nothing that says I can't train you individually. And so he did. And so, um, you know, for her, it was a, it was a, um, blessing in disguise from in disguise for me because here I got one-on-one coaching, you know, from this coach and, and I ended up beating her in the Olympic games and going faster than her, you know, because she thought she was doing something for herself to get me kicked off the team. But then I got one-on-one attention you know, with a coach for the next six months. So it actually worked to my advantage. It would drive me crazy, people politicking like that. But Mike... (laughs) Oh, yeah, it was bad. But that's really the only one. I mean, you always have people you want to meet, but they're never really, per se, my enemies. And Mike Dara just said something I know comes out of your mouth very frequently. She said, when I broke my first record, my first world record. Yeah, no, it happens all the time. After I broke my first world record. I don't mean it to sound like cocky or anything. No, you said it matter-of-factly. That's what I was... That's why I thought it was funny. It was like It was like, wow, would somebody that can say that that and say it that casually is extraordinary. Yeah, well, but, I mean, you do the same thing in an, in an intellectual arena. Oh, please. You know? No, not even. No, not <laughs> yeah, even. you're like, when I was doing my first study on the Golgi apparatus, <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? Are you? Yeah, right. So, but, but the other thing, Dar, you said something about, uh, you, I'm taking you way back in the story you just told, to having had a bad swim. Uh, I guess the morning of the Olympic trials or something. And what what makes a bad swim? Because our, our listeners, you know, are interested in performance and stuff. And what, you know, what what do you look back and go? Why was that a bad swim? And evaluate it, or it just is was, it just the time? Is it just uh, you know you didn't sleep it's, right? It's that more night? the time than anything. Because <laughs> as an athlete, I, I'm very much about feel. And the coaches tell you to like when you're warming up, don't go off how you feel because if you don't feel good in a warm up, you're automatically going to think you're not going to have a good swim because you're not going to feel good in your swim. So it's not about that. It's more so about at the time so so like I said Olympic trials in the events that I swim in one of the events for relays in the hunter freestyle they'll take six p- up to six people to go to to uh, the Olympic Games and so I had gotten fourth and the time I did at trials um, my time at the Olympic Games in the prelims were all probably a second and a half slower than what I did 
um, at, uh, at, at Olympic trials. And that, that's a big difference, not only just in general, but also I was doing a relay start at the Olympic games and you get like, you can take a, like a second off for a relay start because a relay start is much quicker than doing a regular flat start that you do in the, in an individual event. So it was really, really a slow time. So that's what I meant by a bad swim. Hey, we're going to take a quick break to talk about Molecule, something awesome. Molecule is an air filtration system. It replaces 50 years of antiquated technology, okay? It goes beyond HEPA filtration. So let's, let's say that again because it's important to note that the, the air filtration, the air filtration world. world has been based on technology, sort of World War II level technology. Yeah. Finally, we're moving it forward. It goes beyond HEPA filtration to not just capture but completely destroy the full spectrum of indoor air pollutants, including those 1,000 times smaller than a HEPA filter can trap. You hear me? Molecule makes a meaningful impact, and this means a lot for me on asthma and allergy sufferers. You know, I, I've read their literature. I've, I looked at this, this product pretty carefully, and my wife has allergies, so we're going to be using it a lot in our households. Uh, and I've had this dry eye syndrome since I had my PRK procedure. It's been driving me insane. Yeah. And I'm hoping this will help with that as well. So I'm going to become a religious user, sort of wherever we are. And I like the idea that they call this the apple of air purifiers. Yeah. That, it, I like that. And, I, and I, again, I've looked at the literature. There's some stuff that was presented at the American College of Asthma, Allergy, and Immunology. It's very, very impressive. So it's not uh, trivial. It's based in good science. And it, like you pointed out, it's the apple of air purifiers. The, the design is cool. It's not going to make your house look all junky. You know, you've no, had, no, no. Yeah. It's, uh, the design is nice and it's sleek. And it's also backed by the EPA. So you know you're not going to be destroying the earth. Molecules claims on this technology have been tested and verified by third-party laboratories like the University of Minnesota, University of South Florida, and the South Florida Center for Biological Defense. Molecules technology has been personally effective and verified by science people, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people. Molecule has already helped allergy and asthma sufferers like myself around the country better cope with their conditions and significantly reduce their symptoms. Especially now, people, I hate to you know talk about something so sad, but during these California wildfires, oh, yeah. for those of you listening in Southern California, get that air filtration system, and there's no better one than good old Molecule. And right now, Dr. Drew, tell them about the special offer. And for $75 off your first order, visit Molecule, M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com, and at checkout, enter the promo code SWOLE. S-W-O-L-E. Dr. Drew and I both know you're going to love it. And we're back. Well, welcome back to the Swole Patrol. Our guest is an Olympian. We, I mean, uh, Dr. Drew and I, we bump elbows with Olympians and medal winners all day <laughs> all in day our long. personal life, but, but rarely. You were musing about something before the break. <sighs> yeah. I got – this sounds like a dumb question. Okay. I, I have to know. And don't get, don't <laughs> worry. This is, There's nothing embarrassing or anything. It just kind of seems kind of – dumb and boneheaded but i gotta feel like if you're billy joel and there's a there's a uh, a piano at a party on your way there you're like oh fuck i'm the piano man they're gonna yeah do you go to pool parties and are people like <laughs> like are you like oh fuck everyone's gonna expect me and if i do want to swim there's gonna everyone's gonna be staring at me is there an odd weird <laughs> awkward feeling to being at, at anywhere where there's public you know the, the public's in a pool yeah, yeah. That's fine. Okay, well, this, I have two things to that. First of all, I think um, I, I, I try not to like, you know, when I get in a pool, I like to maybe swim a lap or two. And so I try like to, to not do that to make, 
you know, like I'm showing off. And so I'll just kind of like swim my head up. But I think, I think people, I think people get like, look at me more so because I'm in shape for my age. I think more than anything, like with being in a swimsuit or being in a two piece and stuff, people are like, Oh fuck, you know, like seriously, you have to wear a two piece. And then the other thing is, um, so I, I moved to Massachusetts about six years ago and, um, my husband was already up here and I moved from Florida and I, I just finished uh, my Olympic trials and I, my six Olympic trials and I missed the team by like nine, one hundredths of a second. So, um, I was moving up here and when I got here, I look in our backyard and our pool in the tile where the water's already filled in has the Olympic rings in them. Oh and I looked God. at my husband, I'm like, what the fuck is that? He was like, Oh, surprise. And I'm like, are you serious? And he's like, oh, yeah, I thought your, your, your mom and I thought you'd really enjoy that. And I'm like, okay, like, if, if you know me well enough at this point, which we dated for a couple of years already, like, you know that I'm not vain. I don't like people to know that I'm in the Olympics unless they, like, ask me. And so why would I want huge Olympic rings, like, in my pool and the fact that we're having a pool party for my daughter oh. in, like, a couple of weeks at our new school, and there are the Olympic rings. And I was like, I, I was, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I'm like, we're taking all the water out. You're going to redo this. And there's going to be no Olympic rings in the pool, you know? And how do you, obviously how we do ended you up not a- being able to do that because it would have cost a lot of money, but I just, I couldn't even believe it. So every time we have a pool party here, I have to explain, like people think like I put the Olympic rings in the <laughs> right. pool because I'm so proud that I was an Olympian. How do you have, and I, like, how do you have like a I pool? I have to tell people how, that wasn't me. How do you me. have a pool in Massachusetts anyway? Not a bad question. Excuse me? How do you have a pool in Massachusetts at all? Well, you know, it's like two months a year, but you know. <laughs> is it, I mean, that's why people have above above ground pools is because it's so cold. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> transitioning, so. yeah, transitioning into to the idea of like training and health and fitness. I I I would imagine that with with just like track and field, where your weight is a factor, carry power to weight ratio in swimming. Diet must have been incredibly important to you both during your your swimming career and now. Yeah, it's, it, it, well, it was and now it's not. So, I, I mean, I shouldn't say it's not. I, I, okay, let me just explain. So, uh, when I was growing up, I was a skinny, lanky kid. And I told you how, you know, this girl, Jill Sterkle, had helped me. And she probably weighed, I would think, 50 pounds heavier than me. And she was a big, just strong, mychila girl. And I was this lanky string bean. And I was always like that. And I'll never forget, I, I got into University of Florida and about, three or four weeks before I was supposed to move, move out there from California, um, I was at a swim meet and, and the head coach at, at UF, um, had come up to me and said, Hey, you know, um, it'd be really great if you like lost 10 pounds before you got to school in a month. I looked at him like, and I've never had anyone tell me that before. Um, and you know, you're, you're 16, 17, your, your, your body's changing as, as a girl going into a woman. And it just happens. You gain some weight. And I didn't really think anything of it. And I thought he was kind of kidding. And so, I, uh, I went on vacation with my family. I came back, moved to Florida and he was a coach that was very obsessed with weight and he would weigh us every Monday, um, afternoon, uh, to start our week Damn. and would decide, okay, he's looking at you and be like, you know, by next week you need to lose like two or three pounds. Wow. And if we didn't lose the weight, uh, he was a crazy coach too, in the sense that he trained us so hard, like we'd do crazy things on that. We'd pull sleds on the football field. We'd run up and down stadium stairs. We'd do weighted jump ropes. This is in addition to like two, two and a half hours of swim workouts oh my God. twice a day. And so if you, if you made, if you didn't make weight, 
the only mornings we had off besides we had all day Sunday off, but Tuesday and Thursday mornings were the only mornings we had off. And if we didn't lose the two or three pounds or whatever weight he told us we had to lose by the next Monday, we would have to go, we do the, be the breakfast club and have to swim those mornings too. So no one wanted to, you know, not do what he told us to do. And so, um, what happened was I went to one of the dorm bathrooms one time and I was like really upset and a girl came up to me and she's like, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, I'm not losing this weight and I have to, and my, you know, I have to do extra workouts. And she's like, Oh, it's so easy. You know, you just go in the toilet, you, you eat whatever you want and then throw up and then you're fine. And so unfortunately I developed bulimia because of this, where this girl sort of showing me what to do. And then my coach figuring out that we were starving ourselves uh, all day Sunday and all day Monday. And so we weighed ourselves and then we'd go in the locker room and stuff our faces so we could at least get through workout and have yeah. some energy. Wow. Uh, he decided to not tell us when he was weighing us. And it just snowballed and got into this, you know, big uh, sort of issue for me. And so the whole entire time I was in college, I was bulimic and also after college. So I developed a very, very big fear of food. And um, even though I ended up going to a psychologist and sort of um, dealing with the issues and, and whatever was like triggering it, um, I finally sort of got over it, but still had many fears of food. And that was basically um, my college years. And then I decided to come back and swim in 92, which would have been my third Olympic Games. And the coach said to me, look, you know, I know you had some eating issues and you got to make sure that you're, you know, definitely healed before you come because I don't want you to start training and having this. And I was, I was fine. But then once I got over those Olympics, I had like seven years off where I thought I was retired and, um, you know, still had just major fears of food. And when I decided to go back and train again in 2000 with that Stanford team, you know, the coach um, sort of introduced the Atkins diet to me. And he's like, oh, you know, you could have burgers and this, but, you know, just have half a bun and not a whole bun and do this. And, and it actually really helps me get over my fear of food, um, you know, because he, he said you can have ice cream because it has less calories than or less sugar than frozen yogurt and this and that. And, and so his sort of uh, knowledge and, and sort of addiction to us being more high protein and not as much carbs really helps me get over my eating disorder. So after that happened, I really tried not to limit myself with what I'd eat um, as far as like being so conscious about my weight. And I never got on a scale anymore. I, you know, got over my fear of food. And so I really try not to deprive myself of food. So the way I like look at myself now, um, I eat what I want, but I eat, you know, very small portions of if it's something that really isn't healthy for you. So if I make chocolate chip cookies, I may have like a half a one or one or whatever. And then I'll just kind of keep them to the side until like the next day. Like I don't overindulge, but I don't deprive myself of food. I think it's a healthy balance. I mean, that's really what it's all about is, you know, not yeah. becoming obsessive, but at the same time, not allowing yourself to punish your body with, uh, with too much food. Um, what is the secret to, I mean, I, I obviously there's probably a myriad of secrets, but your, your ability to not only perform at a high level, uh, well into the age when most people aren't, but your ability to look amazing while doing it, um, is, is really, it goes against what we've always been taught is, is possible. I mean, I'm getting to, I'm going to be 40 next year. And so I'm already doing the self-talk where it's like, well, I can't do that anymore. I mean, that's not for me. I'm a 40 year old man now. What is it? What is it? To, is it, is it mind frame? Is it just a change of perspective that was made, made it capable for you to be a high level Olympic athlete at, at an age when most people uh, are thinking about retirement? 
Um, you know, I think what helps me, and I didn't do this, you know, on purpose, but uh, after I swam my first two Olympics and was kind of heavy into my, you know, eating disorder, I had retired after my last year of college uh, eligibility in swimming. Um, and I, um, I, I pretty much thought I was done. And then I ended up moving to New York, work with NBC Sports a little bit, and sort of got the itch again to go back and swim. And so I came back and, and trained for 92. And at that time, I was 25 years old. And I was the oldest one on the team because you didn't see a lot of athletes um, after college competing. And so they called me the grandma on the team. And then I went to those Olympics and grandma. still didn't get an individual medal, you know, had four medals and relays up to that point in three Olympics. And I was like, okay, I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm done swimming. That's it. I am very much about exercise. I love health and fitness. Like I love the way exercise makes you feel it relieves stress, but I also love the way it makes you work, look. And so on those those years from the 92 Olympics until I decided I wanted to come back in 99, I just, I worked out, you know, I mean, swimming is a type of sport where you burn so many calories that swimmers, when they retire, have such an issue with gaining weight because they're so used to having such a high metabolism from all the training that we did. I mean, it's a year round sport. We do double workouts a day. It's, it's a lot of intense training. So um, your body gets used to that. So, so a lot of swimmers, you know, end up gaining a lot of weight because they, they don't realize that you still have to kind of work out in order to, you know, maintain a, a decent body. And so I've always done that. And I think that what's allowed me to continue on at, at a later age is that I retired from the sport a number of times and it allowed my body to recover. I think if I had swum straight through from the first Olympics when I was 17 to my last Olympic trials when I was 45, there's no way I could have done that on all, all those years straight because my body would have given out. I, I couldn't recover. So when I decided to come back in 2008 for those Olympics, um, I thought, okay, yeah, I could do what the young kids are doing. I'm 39 years old. This is no, like no big deal or whatever. That first week of training, like I couldn't do double workouts. I'm like, I can't do this. Like I can't do what these teenagers and 20 year olds are doing. I really had to listen to my body. And I think that's really important. I think First of all, um, people get stuck in a routine, you know, when you go to a gym, you sort of do the same thing over and over again. And what I would do is I would mix my workups up. Like right now, um, I'm, I don't swim anymore. Um, I may swim like once a week or twice a week, but I go to boxing. I do bar method. I do spinning. I do a lot of different things so my body doesn't like plateau and get used to doing the same thing. Um, I also exercise to eat because I love to eat. So I know, okay, if I'm going to eat a lot, I need to exercise. And so I just do everything like proportionally and I listen to my body. And if my body needs to rest, I let it rest. When I was younger and I had that eating disorder, I never rested. Like I just kept working out and working out and working out. Remember, uh, Sam Shocker, our friend who was an NCAA swim extra, she was in the, in the uh, Olympic trials, I think. And she says mm-hmm. she can't go near a pool anymore. <laughs> I think she it's was the burnout. one who said that. Yeah, she it's can't stand it anymore. Yeah, but, you do. You burn out. I mean, if you think about it, you're basically staring at a black line at, under the water. Um, you know, you maybe get, you know, for two hours straight in a workout, and you maybe get like maybe two or three weeks off a year, and you get back into training again. So it's, it's definitely a year-round sport. So have you ever thought about maybe writing about or really getting deeper into your story about with eating disorder? I mean, so, you know, to help other women, because it's such a common thing. Yeah, you know, I, I, at first I never talked about it. And, and that's part of having the eating disorder is you hide everything. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, what happened for me is for the, fir- for the first like four years that I had it, I was in college and I hit it. And I think maybe people thought I did had a problem, but you can see like my, my pictures are hanging up along with, you know, the rest of the, 
you know, grad swimming graduates or whatever at the UF, um, you know, auditorium or whatever, wherever the, the swimming is, uh, they call it the O-Dome, the Connell Center. And you could see my, my cheeks are like so puffy and stuff from, from, you know, vomiting. um, vomiting yeah. and stuff like that. And it just, um, you know, I was just something that you hid for a long time. And, uh, my mom basically said to me once I graduated college, because she didn't know exactly what was going on. She's like, you know, you really need to get a physical. And, you know, I think it would just help you. And so I moved to New York and I saw a doctor there and I got a physical. And she started asking me all these crazy questions at the end. And one of the questions was, have you ever, like, you know, binge and purge? I'm like, no, like that. And then I laughed and I felt so guilty for lying. I called her up. I said, yeah, actually, I did. I, I, I do binge and purge. And, and then she had me come back in. And then the whole process started of, of trying to get help. Um, but it, it's something that you, that you hide a lot. And it took me a couple years, uh, probably a number of years to, to feel okay with talking about it. And when I do, uh, meet with groups and, and especially like young women or young girls, uh, I try to talk about it that, but I haven't, I haven't really thought about like talking about, you know, or, or writing a book about it, but I do, I do, uh, talk about the subject when I am in a, in a certain environment where I think people would benefit from it. How'd you get involved with Bar Method? Oh, you know, this is so funny. So um, I've had numerous injuries, uh, considering I'm so old over the years. And the most re- recent ones for me in 08 and By the way, Dr. Drew, knees, I just yeah. want to – sorry to interrupt, but Dr. Drew gets the shivers when you say that you're so old. Did you see me? I reacted. Dr. Drew's going to have his 78th <laughs> Actually, I, I physically reacted, and then I thought, oh, that's your new preoccupation. Now it's not the eating. Now it's the aging, <laughs> right? Okay, wait. I am 51, so I, I am I am older. Um, but, but you know, when you're training and, and at an old – older age and you're putting yourself through so much to try to be at the elite level with, with young kids, um, it does wreak havoc on your body. And so, um, I, um, my, my siblings and my mom, like they're all very thin and lean. And so that's just the way I'm, I'm made up. Um, so, um, for me personally, I had to really find, um, people that would, that would, like help me with my training because I did think I could do what young kids did. And I realized that I couldn't with my, with my body. And so I found a sponsor was, was able to hire people to help me be the best I can be. Like, for example, um, my body just didn't recover. And so what I did is I had these trainers come and they would, they would walk on me on my legs and on my back and uh, on both sides, like on my quads, my hamstrings. And, um, and then they would do this stretching routine on me where I would resist against them and then they would sort of rotate my muscles. It's almost like if you think about taking a wet rag and rotating it to get, you know, uh, opposite ways to get the water out. Sure. That's what they do with my muscles to get the lactic acid out of my muscles. And that's, I mean, that's basically how I survived to be able to um, do what I did at the age that I did is I had a lot of people help me with my recovery. Hmm. And tell us about the app. Because it's very intriguing. Dare Torres well, and, and uh, the, health and the, fitness. the Bar Method Studio, right? In, in Wellesley? Oh, yeah. You asked me about the Bar Method Studio. Sorry, see, I'm so old, I forget what you asked me. No, it's um, <laughs> that's, com- that's coming. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, wait, what did he ask me again? Uh-huh. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, the Bar Method. So, what happened was with all the training I was doing, I, um, would, would, I got injured it, with my knees and I, and I lost cartilage in my knees. And basically, I needed a knee replacement. And I found this doctor who, um, 
does cartilage replacements instead of knee replacements. So like if you're older, obviously like 60s, 70s, you probably want to go for the knee replacement. But, you know, I was in my 40s and I didn't want a knee replacement in my 40s. And so I saw this doctor, uh, Dr. Minus, and he did cartilage replacement for me. Or or basically they take cartilage cells out of your knees, they harvest it, and then they, they put it back in your knees and it takes about a year, year and a half to grow. And you basically have all new cartilage in your knees and it's awesome. So, but the recovery is sort of long. And um, I was up here, I moved up here and I had the knee surgery and uh, I would take my daughter to, uh, you know, practice, some practices and stuff. And this, this father came up to me from one of my daughter's friends and was like, so, you know, when can you start like doing stuff on your legs? And I'm like, you know, it's killing me because I feel like my rear is hanging down to the back of my knees. Like, I feel like I have no muscle. My leg is atrophied. My rear is atrophied. This is like killing me. And he said, um, he said, oh, you know, there's this great workout that is probably easy on your knees called the bar method. I'm like, the bar method? I'm like, I've seen pure bar. I've seen like bar three. And I'm like, what's the bar method? And he started explaining to me, it's like an overall toning workout. And, you know, they do lots of modifications. So maybe you should, why don't you like come with, come with me and, you know, take a class. And I'm like, okay. And so I went to the bar method studio in Wellesley, which is like 10 minutes from where I live in Dover in Massachusetts. And I completely fell in love with it. And, and it really is just an unbelievable workout. And so about two years in, uh, one of the owners, two owners, and one of the owners decided she wanted to take her like career somewhere else and wanted to move out west to California. And she wanted to sell her portion of it. And I'm like, I'm in, I'll, I'll buy your half, you know, because I, I, I believe so strongly in this type of, of workout. And I saw lots of change in my legs and my rear and I started to get muscle again. And it was awesome. So I bought into it, and then about two weeks after I bought into it, um, almost a year ago, there was an owner's convention, and myself and my my uh, business partner flew out to the owner's convention, and I had all these owners saying, oh, you know, you're, you're a teacher, right? I'm like, no, I'm just an owner, and they're like, it's all the owners are instructors, too, and so I had such peer pressure from these huh. owners saying, oh, you need to be an instructor, too, that I started training to be instructor and now I'm a full-time instructor too. So oh I'm actually really loving it. I love teaching. I love being an owner and it's just sort of a different um, atmosphere for me to be in than to just go and travel and give, you know, motivational talks and do TV. So I'm, I'm really enjoying it a Speaking lot. Speaking of different atmosphere, it's, you grew up in California, college in Florida, Massachusetts is very different. I lived there for a while. Yeah, I, it, it really is. It, it definitely is. Yeah, how are you dealing with that? I know. I know. I know exactly what you see is different. I've experienced <laughs> it as a Californian. It's it's kind of great. It's a beautiful state, yep. and I've I've come to meet. A, I've been here for six years, and I've come to meet a, a lot of great friends. I'm actually moving back to Florida next week. Um, the cold weather is just a little bit too much for my for my bones. Preach. Um, so I'm moving back, but I'm still going to keep my. Um, my share in the studio and still come up hopefully like once a month and, and teach to keep up, keep up my credentials with teaching and stuff. But it, it is very different. I'm a very laid back um, kind of girl and just kind of go with the flow and stuff um, like from growing up in California and living in Florida. And when I moved up here, it was uh, very different. Uh, the driving's different. The people are different. I've grown to love the place, but I just, I can't deal with the cold. So, um, you know, I, you know, wherever I go, I, I kind of am just a very friendly person and sort of fit in right away. So that's not like, a, that wasn't really an issue for me moving up here, but I just, um, I didn't realize how different it was once I was actually up here. It's, it's intense. I mean, Massachusetts, you know, particularly in around Boston, it's, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're, how old are your kids now? 
Uh, my daughter's 12, and okay. my husband's kids uh, are going off to college, so it's just my, my 12-year-old now. But still, I'm, 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 the education is taken very seriously in that state, and so I'm sure they're absorbing. Yeah, they do. They, they definitely do um, very seriously. They have some of the top top schools in the country here. So, are, Where are they going to college? Very serious. Excuse me? Where are the kids going to college? Yeah, they're twins, so I have uh, the girl Krista is going to GW, and nice. the boy is going to, Lucas is going to Wake Forest, so they're very excited nice. about it. Fun. Look at you. So, yeah. Very fun. And then, <laughs> and, uh, and our remaining moments, tell us about Dara Torres Health and Fitness, the app I'm looking at right now. Oh, you know what? The app, I don't even think it works anymore. Is it actually working? Oh, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at it. it we, we, you know, it's funny, because it was right when apps started to be very popular, and right. my, my trainer, who... Um, who uh, I caught, who I met when I was decided to make a comeback at an older age. Who's just an unbelievable trainer. His name's Andy O'Brien, and he actually works with uh, the Penguins now. He had trained um, Sidney Crosby uh, starting when he was like 13 years old. So this guy's amazing. And we got approached about making a fit- health and fitness app. We're like, oh, this is going to be great. Um, and so we did all these different, uh, exercises, a lot of stuff that I did when I was training to teach people, you know, sort of what I did. It's not about heavy lifting. It's about doing exercises correctly, using your body weight and you could still be lean and, you know, um, and thin, you know, doing these exercises and not, not going to the gym and lifting like 250 pounds, you know, doing leg press or something. And so we were very excited about it, but then it just, it kind of fizzled. So right. I can't really promote that for you guys because I don't even think it even works anymore. All right. It does. It, does, it crashes when you open it. It died finally. <laughs> ah, there you go. Uh, swim Dana on, <laughs> at Swim Dana on Instagram and at Dara Torres on. Swim Dara. Uh, swim Dara. I'm sorry. Swim Dara on Instagram okay. and at Swim uh, Dara Torres on Twitter. You know, honestly, I've had the luxury of talking to a lot of, you know, motivational people, a lot of inspiring people. Um, but it was a real, real pleasure to talk to you, and I appreciate you taking time out of your day to talk to us. Yeah, pl- please do. Now, you sure don't say it to all your guests when you're done with them? No, no, oh, no, 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 believe no. me. I, 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 was think, I was thinking something similar. I was thinking, please, you need to get, <laughs> you need to get in right, right about all this because it uh, could help. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's very nice to meet you guys, and hopefully I can meet you in person sometime. We'd love great. that. We'd love that. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody. It is the Swole Patrol Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Mike Catherwood. And Dr. Drew is at Dr. Drew, of course. Join the email list today. Send your questions. DrDrew.com slash contact. And put Swole at the top of the email so we can get your comments. And this will get you a weekly email reminder with a link to this show. And all the great shows that Dr. Drew and I do. And all the shows that Dr. Drew does by himself. And, of course, with Adam Carolla, the great ace man. Please tell a friend and subscribe on iTunes. Don't forget to rate us five stars. And on Podbean or Google Play, all three help us out. We also are on YouTube slash Dr. Drew. And I hope you can give us all your comments, even if if you're a troll and you want to destroy our feelings and our emotions. Support our sponsors and the show. Click on the banners on drdrew.com for the links for special discounts for the products Dr. Drew and I endorse 100%. Send questions and comments to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Swole Patrol Podcast, or on Twitter at Swole Patrol Pod. And uh, be good. Be swole. Hashtag Swole Patrol.